Spring is in the air at Global Voice Broadcasting. Fresh new shows are hitting the airwaves every day. Shows about all the things that matter to you in your life. Music, fashion, celebs, and more. It's all here, and it's getting better every day. Only at Global Voice Broadcasting. My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. Leo Biscoglia. I just love this message. It is so, so true. Today we're going to explore the power of touch with a spectacular expert, a professional cuddler, in fact. But first, given recent news events, I thought it important to address having compassion for people of all genders. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so stoked to be back here with y'all. Last week, Kansas lawmakers introduced a pair of bills that would prohibit transgender students from using restrooms that match their gender. The quote-unquote student privacy, physical privacy act would apply not only to public schools, but all public universities in the state and guarantee that anyone who saw someone transgender in the bathroom could sue their school for $2,500 anytime it happened. North Carolina also began pushing these quote uh, bathroom bills. I had trouble wrapping my brain around this and still do. And when I began hearing about the news, I knew immediately who I would love to address this topic with on the show. And I'm so glad that Casey could join me. Casey is a non-binary trans parent living in Boston with their six-year-old Ruzel. They use their poetry degree to write Taylor Swift lyric haiku, and they are very enthusiastic about freshly painted crosswalks. You can find them on Instagram at, at lifewithruzel or at We Just Need to Pee. We're going to talk more about that. And Casey's awesome website, lifewithruzel.com. Thank you so much for joining me, Casey. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You know, as I mentioned, I heard about these bathroom bills, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I think a lot of people felt a little bit helpless. What went through your mind when you first heard this news? Um, When it first started to happen, you know, there are this isn't anything new. These bathroom bills have popped up here and there. There's actually one um, here in Massachusetts. And, you know, you might be surprised by that because we're known as a pretty liberal state. Um, but they pop up all the time for various reasons. Um, so this particular one at Kansas, there was another one in Georgia at the time, which has since been vetoed. And then this um, showing up so quickly in North Carolina, passing so fast. It just kind of took my breath away, honestly. Um, and I don't know why, but this one seemed to affect me a little bit more. I've just, I was just traveling. I was in South Carolina last week and two weeks ago I was in Arkansas. And I don't always feel super safe when I'm traveling alone, especially without my daughter. Um, because when I'm with her, I use family bathrooms wherever I can. Um, but when I'm by myself, I, I don't really feel safe. 
I don't know who's going to question me uh, because I am gender nonconforming and always have been, you know. So this one really, this hit me a lot harder than usual. And how often do you find bathrooms that you do feel comfortable using? Um, not very often. It, honestly, in New York, I actually found a lot because a lot of the spaces there are much smaller. So restaurants generally will have, it's just a space, space issues that they can't have male and female binary bathrooms. Um, so that's nice. I always look forward to that. But, you know, in some spaces, I'm surprised to find one. And in others, you know, I would expect it and I don't find it. So it just depends. There are all different laws, too. I know a friend of mine recently opened a restaurant in Chicago, and she's super supportive of trans rights and, you know, all kinds of things, all different types of people. And they couldn't put um, – they had they were required by law to have binary bathrooms for the size and the space that they were in. Wow. And you've actually said that when you do find a bathroom that matches your gender, it's a celebration, which I think is such a powerful statement. And I know it ties into what you just shared, but would you speak to that? What does that mean to you to find a space where you feel safe and comfortable? Well, what actually happened was, you know, North Carolina happened and I was just feeling really defeated um, and I didn't know what to do, you know, and the more I thought about it and then the response started coming up and the response actually didn't help me. I had a really good friend of mine shared something on Facebook. Um, I think the it's an I'll go with you campaign and it's this, you know, really great campaign. The idea behind it is fantastic that if you're a trans person and you are looking for a bathroom and you can't find a bathroom that suits your gender or you're forced to use a bathroom that goes against your gender, then you can find a friend or or even a stranger with this pin saying, I'll go with you and they'll go with you and they'll act as like a buddy. But in my experience, I, you know, gender is not something that has been a celebration for me. It's really scary and it's hard and most people don't get my pronouns right or use the words that I like. Um, and so I often feel very othered and I'm not going to be, I'm a very outgoing person in general, but there's no way I'm walking up to a friend and asking them to go to the bathroom with me. And I think that that is more of a common feeling for a lot of trans people um, the other issue that I had was that a, a huge response was by these trans people who pass. So, so, you know, I saw a meme going around. It turned into a meme, I guess, of this man with a beard and a hat on and says, you know, do you want me in your wife's bathroom? And absolutely not. He is fully a man, 100 um, percent. But that only speaks to one element of the trans community. And that person, people who pass in the trans community are sometimes a lot safer. You know, that man would probably have no problem going into a men's bathroom. He looks like a man. He is a man, you know, but I don't have that luxury and I don't take testosterone and I'm, I don't identify as male. Um, I don't identify as female either. And so there's this gap in the support and um, and what to do as an ally. And that part of it just really bothered me a whole bunch. So I started this Instagram account called We Just Need to Pee, which is an, actually a hashtag I've seen floating around a whole bunch, but um, where I just wanted to encourage allies, instead of talking to me about my body and bathrooms, which is going to be really triggering and hard for me, you know, as a gender dysphoric human, um, I wanted to encourage 
cis allies to go up to restaurants and ask them if they have a neutral bathroom for someone to use, for anyone to use. I want cis people to start using those bathrooms and thank business owners for having them so that when I show up there and I ask them if there's a bathroom safe for me, they've already had that conversation. They don't have to just have it with me when I'm probably freaking out a little bit and scared, you know? Um, so that felt like the way to turn this around and get a little bit more support from cis allies and, and it was a way for me to kind of focus that energy that I was feeling so horrible about. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to be very honest and say that did not even occur to me as something that I could do to be supportive. And I'm going to to do that. And I encourage everyone who's listening to please ask for those restrooms and use those restrooms and support. That is powerful. I'm so grateful. What other steps can we take? I know there are many, but what are some of the most important steps that we can take to make the world more accepting and to not have people of, you know, who are not cisgendered to feel, um, you know, discriminated against? Um, I think there's a few things. Uh, one thing is um, just to understand what it means. Like every one of us was assigned gender at birth. You were too. Anybody, a cis person, my mom, my daughter, everybody was assigned gender. It just doesn't always match up. So we're not that different. You know, um, it's just that, you know, it happened to line up just fine for people who are cis. And I think that people need to think about gender in that way as just an assignment, not about people's bodies. I think that really, really helps. And the other thing is that if you know a trans person, even vaguely, to practice talking about them, practice pronouns, practice using the right words, say it out loud. I encourage people, you know, people email me all the time. Oh, my niece just transitioned. I don't know what to do. I'm like, go sit in your car on your way to work every day and talk about this person using the words that they prefer as much as you possibly can so that when you're around them, you can use all the right words and support them really well. That's super helpful. Beautiful. That is such a wonderful advice. And you prefer the pronoun they, is that correct? Yes. And Jean, who I'm interviewing in a bit here, she'd mentioned to me as I was preparing, it occurred to me that I wasn't sure what pronoun that you preferred until I, I looked at your bio and she said, you know, it's it's great to ask. And and I think that's something that we need to be more comfortable doing as well. Is is that something people ask you often? Yeah, people ask me, but I teach my daughter. My daughter is cis and, you know, she's like a warrior for the trans community. Um, and she introduces herself with her pronouns. She has, you know, long hair, princess dresses, sparkly shoes, and she's high femme, you know, and she introduces herself. Hi, my name is Riley, and I use she, her pronouns. What's your name? What pronouns do you prefer? To everyone that she sees, not just people who look trans. Because I think that's, you know, understanding we all have a pronoun preference. We all have a gender assignment or a gender preference. It's not just trans people. I love that. And Ruzel's amazing. I love seeing the photos that you post and wonderful things that you can find on your Instagram. So remind us again, the best place to find your work. So uh, my new account I just started this weekend in the middle of a freak out at midnight um, is we just need to pee. Um, and that's just my adventures of whatever restaurant I'm in. If they have a restroom that feels comfortable for me, I'll take a picture of it. And I always, I'm also sharing other, um, small businesses and stuff that are sharing their bathrooms to support the trans community. So I love that. And then my regular Instagram is life with Rusal. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. So, so powerful. I hope you guys will all check out um, at We Just Need to Pee on Instagram. And I just noticed I use guys a lot. And I'm wondering, is that I use it as a gender gender neutral term, but I would love to hear from from you all how you feel about these issues. Do you ask people about their genders? Do you use the you know, these safe restrooms, you request them. I really encourage you all to get curious about those things. Next, I'm thrilled to welcome returning guest Jean Franzblau. She joined us before to explore kink and to chat about the movie Shades of Grey, which was so much fun, and also contributed a beautiful story to my new book, Embraceable. I hope you'll check that out. Today, she's here to explore another passion and area of expertise of hers, cuddling. Jean is the founder of Cuddle Sanctuary, the touch-positive workshop and social experience experience. Her work is inspired by her personal experience making better choices in her sex life when her needs for platonic touch were met. Franzblau provides workshops and lectures on sexual esteem and women's empowerment and has delivered presentations in eight countries for groups of up to 300 people. Jean graduated cum laude with a BA in communications from UCLA. Her fabulous BuzzFeed video you all need to see about cuddling got over 7 million views last year. It's really powerful. Thank you so much for being here, Jean. How are you? I'm I'm so glad to be here. I'm happy. I feel really happy today. So happy. I couldn't even sleep last night. That's why I took that little nap over there in your in your waiting area. I'm so glad you did that. I, I am refreshed. <laughs> good, good. It was a refreshing quickie. Yes. I love it. So I'm really fascinated by all of your work. Mm-hmm. And your recent work in the cuddle community mm-hmm. is refreshing and I think so needed and still pretty niche and something that not a lot of people are super familiar with. Yes. Could you tell us how you became involved? Yes. I. Uh, it's through my own painful experience. I think that's how so much growth happens. That's how, how so much discovery happens. I found myself single um, and at times, you know, successful, very independent um, and very lonely. Uh, there was this one time I had a business trip uh, in, in Honolulu. It sounds very glamorous. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I, I befriended this man and I feel like I hijacked his evening. Like, can I join you for dinner? And now let's hang out and let's spend more time. And he was, I think, wondering, like, what does this woman want? And I didn't even have words for it myself either. I didn't have language for it. But the answer is I needed connection and I needed human touch. Now, what's sort of heartbreaking about that is that I pushed a sexual situation. I wasn't really attracted to this man, and I don't think he was all that attracted to me, but I just sort of pushed it because of what happened at the very end, where I could say, let's spoon. Mm. That's what I wanted. And that didn't go super smoothly. He's like, I don't want to spoon with you. I would do that with a girlfriend. I mean, it was just so bad, but that was a great low bottom moment where I realized that my needs for healthy human touch, for platonic touch, were not being met. I had the mistaken belief that the only way you can get touch is through sex. Mm. Wow. Which I think is probably a pretty common belief. Absolutely. Yeah. There are only a few people that were allowed to touch, at least here in the U.S. And usually it's like your young children, uh, your spouse, your boyfriend. And if you're a, if you're a male identified person, you are shed out of luck. You have even less people than you're allowed to touch. Because as a female identified person, I can sometimes hold hands with my friends. You know, if I'm taking a walk with them, I can sort of grab their arm. Like, good luck for a lot of people who identify as straight to do that. I mean, it's frightening for many people who identify as man, as men to, to do that. Which is really sad because it, 
affects us in so many ways. And I know you've given some wonderful talks where you share some of like the statistics and, and how important touch is. So could you give us a little bit of perspective as far as what does that mean in our in our lives? What are the repercussions? Right. So first of all, over half of Americans, adult Americans are single which means so many of us do not have easy access to healthy human touch. So that's one thing to keep in mind. So I think this is, can be at an epidemic proportion. So an epidemic of what? The lack of touch has health uh, is associated with health issues. And I'd like, I always like to say it in the positive way, that if, if you get enough human touch and platonic touch, here's how it will benefit you. Number one, it improves heart health. So uh, less cardiovascular disease in people who are receiving enough touch. Number two, it lowers stress. So those are cortisol levels. Number three, the immune system gets a boost. I can just imagine whole groups of people dealing with health issues who will rush to get cuddles to help boost their immune system. And then number four, it helps you sleep. And the first cuddle workshop that I attended, that is absolutely what I observed is I went home happy I slept deeply as if I was a child again, and I woke up feeling a human being, like a human being, wow. like connected to the human community. It was profound. Wow. So this first cuddle experience. Yes. What was that like? Because I can imagine it could be, I don't Scarier. know, a little bit scary at first. Well, I'll tell you, um, I am somebody that when I heard about these events, I think I was flipping through a magazine and I saw a picture of what probably was a cuddle party. And Cuddle Party is a company that's been around for over a decade now. These are the pioneers of this movement, Reed Mahalko and Marsha Basinski. So I must have seen maybe one of their cuddles or one like it. And I was amazed by the idea of like, like a bunch of people just sort of lying together cozily like puppies in a pile. And ever since then, I started Googling Cuddle Los Angeles. That's where I live. Cuddle Los Angeles. Los Angeles Cuddle. Just looking for an event like that. And when I finally heard of one, and it was through the Sex Positive community, a group called Sex Positive Los Angeles, a meetup group, I was thrilled that the orientation was going to end. At the time, the orientations ended in a cuddle. Um, I was nervous. I was excited. And when I got into my little pod, my little group, and we were supposed to figure out, like, well, what are we going to do? I started bossing everybody around because I felt so nervous. I started controlling everyone. But actually, the idea I came up with, they all liked. And what I found is I had somebody in front of me and somebody behind me. And these people who I had never met before, but I felt certainly safe to do that behavior. We were sort of spooning together. I just couldn't believe the conversation that we had. There's no small talk when you're lying down with somebody. We talked about real things. And I'm like, I can't believe, it was sort of like a life hack. This beautiful intimacy that I only thought would come with pillow talk, I got to have with these two strangers. And I'll never forget the conversations we had. I was moved, I was touched, a tear came down because of what we were talking about felt moving to me. And I just needed more. So I started to attend others and I, what I wanted to do was figure out what is the secret sauce? Like, how do you do these events? Because I have a background in corporate training. And so communication classes and things like that, I'm like, I know I can do this. And so very soon after, I started to lead my own groups. Amazing. <laughs> that is super, super inspiring. Now, I feel like I have to ask, because of what we you just talked about, the stigma and about touch yeah. that's non-sexual, I imagine some people might be concerned that if they go to a cuddle event or they 
tried to do some platonic cuddling, mm-hmm. that there could be some safety issues. So there's safety issues on a bunch of different levels. One of them is emotional safety. And so the way that we deal with that is at the very beginning of the workshop, we, t- we practice setting boundaries with each other. We honor boundaries and we celebrate when people say no thank you. So that when you attend a workshop like this, there is no touch required. In fact, I make a joke almost every week. So at this point, my my regulars should just be rolling their eyes. But I make a joke. I'm like, there's somebody here that I might have paid a fee to come here and say no thank you to all of you. <laughs> so that they can sort of re- expect to be rejected. Uh, and I use the word rejected with a smile on my face because we practice saying and receiving no's. So that, and we also honor what's called the ask and wait method or model, which is, don't touch anybody until you ask and, and, and don't assume by asking that they're going to say yes. One way that people assume this sort of out on the street is they'll sort of just reach out to hug you. It's really socially awkward to be like, oh, don't feel like that right now. Or, oh, I have a cold. I don't feel like that. Instead, you're like, eh. Yeah. Right? In, in, it's instead, you know, in, in my community, we say, may I, may I give you a hug? And then we just wait. Body language is waiting. And if the person says no, thank you. Oh, great. Thanks for taking care of yourself. I love Isn't that, that you shared that. Yes, especially I, that crossed my mind as I was preparing for this episode. I love hugging people, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean everybody loves being hugged. And I have a um, a friend, more of an acquaintance, but in Minnesota, mm-hmm. who I hadn't seen in a long time. And I rush over and I hug her. And later, I heard her tell somebody that she's not comfortable with hugs. You must have been pretty shocked. It shocked me, yeah. yes. And it was such an eye-opening moment because I thought, how, you know, how not considerate of me to to just put that on her. And so I wondered, is that something that we should do you ask people if I you do. want to hug someone? So you, could you just give us an example? Yeah. So um, later, uh, so if we were together without equipment in between us and ever say, August, may I give you a hug? Easy as that. Yeah. And then you would say probably because you're such a hugger, you might say, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would hug you. (laughs) That's all it is. But the thing that I would be really careful to do, especially if I love you and we've hugged before, that I might just want to grab you, you know, or also give this body language. It's like, can I give you a hug? But I'm already sort of doing it. And instead I work. And this is challenging, especially with people I love and people I see often. Just keep my body language neutral. And, And I'm grateful that my community is beginning to respect me with this too because you would assume oh my gosh she's the cuddle queen she's a professional cuddler and she gives these cuddle workshops we should just go up and squeeze her like a teddy bear but the truth is I actually am quite prickly when I am stressed when I have a lot to do get the F away Mm -hmm. like give me some space I'm working I'm focused I'm a little worried about things later when the work is done I might be able to relax enough Mm -hmm. to give you a hug but please don't take one Yes, I love that. And that, I think, is really important for people to hear because as a cuddling professional who teaches workshops and does all this work, that sort of gives other people permission when we hear you say that, that it's okay to not always want to hug. Oh, yes. In fact, um, I got to say, as uh, I look female, I'm cisgender, gendered, um, women are touched without consent all the time. Yes. If you just pay attention to it, like those who are listening, just notice when people like put their hand on your knee, put your hand, their hand on your shoulder, put pet your head or something like that. Um, it's a habit. And it's a habit that I'm willing to have stop right now at my front doorstep. Like mm. this body, please ask. 
Beautiful. Yeah. That is such important advice. It actually ties into a question that I have from a listener. Um, each week we have an Ask Dr. Megan segment, and so she's going to share an answer, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too. I actually got this question from when you start talking to people in public about the work you do for me, Girl Boner, mm -hmm. it's amazing how many wonderful conversations you can have when you start it. And uh, this lovely, lovely woman named Teresa, I was at the hair salon and she was chatting with me and heard about what I do and asked me this question. And she was so kind enough to share it. And she wrote this, I love PDA and my boyfriend detests it. To me, showing affection in public shows we aren't ashamed of being together and feels really good. Even when it's pretty mild, like a kiss or a squeeze here and there, it feels like foreplay. My guy won't do more than hold hands, and even that is infrequent. Then when we get home behind closed doors, he expects me to be instantly in the mood for sex. I don't want him to be uncomfortable, but I wish we could find some sort of common ground here. Any suggestions? So I shared this with Dr. Megan, and here's what she had to say for you, Teresa. Teresa, I appreciate you asking this question. Um, because I think there's so often that there really are differences between the things that uh, we really love and enjoy and turn us on and our partner's own reactions. So um, I'm sort of hearing you say that for you, it's public displays of affection that um, it's, you know, sort of symbolic of being together. And in some ways, it's foreplay. It's like... What helps you feel connected, feels that, and sort of ignites that spark long before you get home or think about approaching the bedroom. Um, but I'm also hearing you say in this the very strong language, my boyfriend detests it. So as soon as I hear that, I'm like, it's just like, hold a curiosity. You know, on one hand, you're totally wanting him to understand and get how and why for you, this is a big turn on and how it can ignite, ignite that spark. Um, but I'm really, really curious what's happening for him and what about him detests it. What does he experience? What does he notice? What's the history he's had with it? Um, because it's definitely not neutral. Um, in fact, it's, it's almost, uh, disgusted. It's very aversive. So knowing that, you know, I imagine he really wants to give you pleasure. First, we want to understand what about it is a big turnoff for him. And then the other part of that is recognizing, um, how then creatively, once you understand his why, that indoors, long before you get to the bedroom, what are the different things he can say or do um, that are a part of your turn on? And it also reminds me a lot of um, the book that I would highly recommend you checking out, which is from Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages, because it's important to recognize that we're all sort of almost, in a sense, hardwired to what acts of love generous generosity and kindness do we uh, so sort of most readily receive and for you part of that's pda and it's definitely touch uh, for others it could be gifts it could be quality time it could be sort of the words of affirmation uh, it could be sort of the acts of service or devotion and again cycling back the last one is the physical touch and intimacy so you know, I sort of refer to it as the golden and the platinum rule. Ten chances are, you know, we were sort of taught the golden rule, do unto others as you would like done unto yourself. And so reflexively, we give what we'd like to receive. But I'm a big proponent of what I call the platinum rule, which is actually giving to others what they most likely want to receive. So, you know, learning a little bit about these love languages, you know, what is the love language of your boyfriend and what is he most likely to receive? And once you both sort of recognize that your languages can be different, it's also, I call it that growth edge or stretch, which is 
again, the biggest gift you can give is often the one that's hardest to give because it's not necessarily embodied or so reflexive for you, but that's what really makes it a gift. So once you've explored sort of why it's a turn off or your boyfriend detests it, hopefully he can make space for how and why for you in particular. You know, being outside, his de- demonstrating that, you know, you're together, a couple that, you know, you're, um, you know, he's de- demonstrating and um, showing affection like that. That is really so huge for you. I'm hoping that maybe he can take it from a different lens and perspective and that you both can figure out together what are the best ways to make sure each of you are prioritizing and making time to speak each other's love languages. Because to me, that's the win-win that spontaneously and generously will keep giving in your relationship. Such great advice. Thank you, Dr. Megan. And Teresa, I hope that helps. What I heard from Dr. Megan and also from Casey, and I'm hearing from Jean as well, is really respecting other people's wants and needs and comfort level and and communication. You know, these seem to be really important factors. Jean, do you find that within couples Mm -hmm. that one person might be a lot more yearning of that physical touch or, you know, maybe one person feels the need for more. Absolutely. Uh, We One time a client came into one of our workshops and said, it's been years that I've been with my partner. We have an affectionless marriage. He doesn't want to touch at all. I need to be here. And it was it was her like stepping you know, into her strength and into her truth that she's a human being and she has needs and it's not being served in her relationship and she's going to take care of herself in a way that respects her relationship boundaries platonically. Beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's, it's so ethical and she can still love her relationship, whether it stays the same or whether they need to communicate or change things or if it's something that she can find for herself in a really healthy way. I know you've written about keeping a cuddle platonic. Yes, yes. Any tips for that if somebody doesn't have access to a group and they want to Absolutely. First of all, I have something called the Cuddle Kit. And that's because I was receiving so many Facebook notes and people were reaching out to me from around the world. I just got an email from Iran. Oh my gosh. Around yeah. cu- about cuddling. Anyway, and, and I don't have workshops in Iran yet. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a kit so that can, that can guide people to create boundaries with each other and clarify for each other, like, well, what is this thing called a cuddle? Because the word cuddle can be quite confusing. In, in uh, Many people think of it as the thing you do, spooning position after having intercourse. Like it's, that's the thing. That's not what I'm talking about. And by the way, I, I love that other thing. That's wonderful. But what I'm doing are putting on events that create a platonic experience. Um, so there's room for everything, but just paying attention. Well, what is this? So what are some guidelines for platonic touch? One is to make sure that both you and your cuddle partner know what you're doing. In other words, some people are like, do you want to watch a movie on our second date? Wink, wink. We'll cuddle. Uh. And what that often can mean, second date, third date, is we're saying watch a movie or cuddle. What we mean is we're about to try um, being sexual with each other for the first time. So let's be clear with each other. Like, are we both on the same boat? <laughs> so we're going to yes. both get to the destination. And that's why I have a list. One of my... um um people in my community suggested it's so brilliant, so great to ask people what they want. So it's a list of all these activities, cuddle activities and positions and things like that. And it's uh, hell yes, like I really want that or not sure 
or no thank you, and do you want to give this or receive this? So big spoon, little spoon, hugging, holding hands, like all of those. And then you can have a conversation with your cuddle buddy and see what you have in common if anything. And and by the way, that list is never intended to mean a promise. Like, oh, if I put, you know, heck yeah, I want to do such and such does not mean you have just made any kind of commitment. It means if the mood is right and I am feeling it, then I will try this out with you. And at any moment, I can say, I've changed my mind. I love that. What a great practice in consent in general. It's so um, empowering for me. Yeah, that is amazing. You mentioned cuddle buddy. Yeah. So... Could you speak to that? What is a cuddle buddy? It is anybody in your life with whom you can enjoy consensual rated G touch. So um, for my practice, I'm this is an adult practice, but certainly like somebody can be, you know, cuddling with their kid, you know, all of that, all is good. But for, for my practice and for what the cuddle kid is, it's about uh, consensual touch between adults. So that could be somebody that you're related to. Um, that could be somebody that you have just met. Um, I have all kinds of guidelines on how to have safe uh, cuddles, for example, in public, like meet on a bench, hold hands, you've just had a cuddle. How did that go? You know, do you know people in common? Perhaps, you know, see, you know, I was suggesting like go to your Facebook group and like post some things that are about like uh, touch, like touch positive articles, things about oxytocin, which is the hormone that feels so good when we touch and it gets raised um, in our bodies. Uh, so posting things like that and see who likes it in your community. Those are people who might be open to a conversation about a cuddle date. Great idea. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the term touch positive, which I love. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Because uh, America is a touch negative culture, uh, there was a a great um, um, researcher who watched people at coffee shops in a variety of different places around the planet. How many times did people just touch each other, you know, casually? And in, in, in England... It was zero. Zero. That one. In the United States, it was one. Uh. And then it was France. It was something like 250. (laughs) And in Puerto Rico, it was something like 350. So big, big numbers. I'm not remembering them exactly, but think of the difference. Yeah. How isolated. Don't touch. Don't touch. So I am a touch positive person, not meaning again, like I mentioned before, don't go up and grab me. But I'm really open to a conversation about finding a a yes, a yes, please, with people. I love it. I like holding hands. I like sitting side by side. I like touching feet while I'm I'm working on my computer. Like sweet, home, homey moments with human beings. I love that. I love that. It's one of those terms that like sex positive that you would wish we didn't have any for what we so desperately do. Yes, I would love to cuddle sanctuary myself out of business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's a great goal. That's mm-hmm. a great goal. Um, you had a, I'm sure you've done this exercise. It sounds like you do this at many of your events, but I s- saw it happen in one of your videos where yeah. you led a group of people and you had them practice saying no to each other. Absolutely. How much fun is that? That was amazing. Could you share kind of how that works? Yeah, it's quite simple. Um, put people in pairs and one person will ask for a kind of touch. If you want to have fun, it can be, may I touch your nose? Can I punch you in the arm? Can I touch your hand? And the other party, no matter what, even if the touch that's offered sounds yummy, will say no thank you. Just to practice a clear no thank you. When I say no thank you, I don't mean maybe later. 
And I also don't mean, well, um, 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 I just don't feel like it right now. Like, no explanation necessary. Just no thank you. Not playing hard to get. No, just just no. Yeah. And then the first person, this is the challenging one. It's tough to remember at first. Says something kind like, thanks for taking care of yourself or thanks for letting me know your boundary. This has unexpected beneficial effects on the people who come to my events. They report back that I was with my boss or I was out in the world and I said I had boundaries that I hadn't had before. And I was like, did you say no to your boss like about a work assignment or what is that? But the point is, you know, jokes aside, people are taking that one boundary out into the world and feeling empowered by it. Beautiful. It's interesting. And I imagine receiving that no is another practice. It is not easy. Yeah. There are people who have been coming for over a year and saying, I'm still practicing, still practicing. I, I go through the motions and sometimes it's hard and I will keep practicing. Mm. Yeah. You know what? It's easy for me to receive a no thank you when it's an exercise. And I know that that's, I mean, I'm the one who created the exercise, so I know <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. But in the world, when I've had partners or friends say no thank you, it sometimes hits me as a shock. I once was with um, a lover. This is years ago. And I unfortunately, you know, this is why, you know, I received a lot of therapy you know, for a couple of years. But I was in a lot of emotional pain and I was trying to cover that pain with the sex act. So I was trying to sort of seduce him. And he just said no. And I felt like this punch in the belly. Like, how could you say no to me? But he was so accurate. What kind of sad sex were we about to have? You know what I mean? It was not the time for that. It was a time for me to have a good cry. Yeah. He knew it, but I didn't. Mm. So thank you, Justin, for that. No, it was one of the first that I remember where I'm like, wow, somebody else is wiser than me right now. I'm so glad you said. Anyway, I don't think he was taking care of me. He was taking care of himself. But you learned from it in hindsight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I imagine also, I think my first reaction would be, I'd I'd feel like I hurt them by asking. You know, like, oh, I'm so sorry that I asked you because that must have put you in an uncomfortable position. When, in fact, that is the kind thing to do. It's really brave to to ask. ask. It's really brave to ask. Because when you ask, you're putting yourself out there vulnerably to say, I desire some an experience with you right now. And that's right there, just putting yourself right out there. What a great model for people around you to be like, wow, somebody has desire, you know. Desire doesn't necessarily mean to be sexual. It's just, oh. My desire sometimes, especially um, with people who have long hairs, may I touch your hair? Just like when I was a little girl with my sister, can I play with your hair? Yeah. So I get to have that with consent with people in my workshops. That is awesome. And that is one that I've noticed people do without asking is just touching women's hair. As you said, touching, mm. but, but playing with it, mm. you know, or or touching in the lower back in places that maybe feel a little bit more intimate. Yeah, and don't do that. Yeah, that's, that's not Don't okay. take. Do not take. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you shared this really awesome story in one of your newsletters, which I know people can sign up for at, is it? Cuddlesanctuary.com. Beautiful. Thanks. Uh, about a cuddle partner that you were working with and – he became aroused. Yeah. So yes. what if that happened? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we talk about arousal at, at the beginning of every workshop because anyone might become aroused, especially in a culture that says all touch needs to be sexual. 
Yeah. I mean, so then you go to a workshop where it's like, no, this touches platonic. Well, does your body know? Right. So um, it's all good. We we talk about that. We're very transparent about that. And all you do is you just, in the workshop, just like shift what you're doing, shift what you're thinking about, you know, change positions, get a, get a cup of water, you know, we can shift it and be fine. And there's no shame in it. And just, yeah. And I love that you said you can just sort you talk about it and it's just a... Just get over it. Yeah. It's just a thing. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Now, in the case with this client, um, it was our first time cuddling together and this is a one-on-one client. um, And so I felt we were spooning and I felt his arousal. And so I just made note of it. Like, oh, I, I think... I'm feeling some arousal. What 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 should we do? You know, and the answer was, um, is we got a pillow and we put the pillow between us so we can continue spooning without there being sort of a you know that distracting either of us. And you know, in hindsight or maybe if in the future, it would be, need to be something that not just I bring up, but that's something that he also is comfortable managing and talking about. So, underneath all of this talk of cuddling and all the sweet moments we have. It's a communication workshop and a transparency workshop. Mm, yeah. I could see that. It's hidden underneath I there. I could see that. Yeah. In your BuzzFeed video, I was really struck by people's experiences. You were These were people who'd never cuddled with a cuddler before. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting how they reacted. What was that experience like for you or did anything surprise you about their reactions? Um well, one thing that was surprising is the woman who opens the video and closes it, she says, what she says is she goes, I really approach this like a little shit. And what she meant by that is like, I thought I was so cool. These people can't phase me as if the cuddlers were there to, to like overwhelm her in some way. And what wound up happening for her is she felt really exposed and vulnerable. She was having a cuddle with Faye, one of our workshop leaders and professional cuddlers, and um, they were discussing it. And then why, by the time they got sort of into their cuddle and Faye was stroking her hair, she began thinking about, like, always wanting a sister. Mm. And it was such a tender moment. And at the end, she said that it sort of strips things away and it leaves you with truth. Ooh. I was so grateful to her self-awareness and her willingness to have that experience and let us witness her. Yeah. What a gift. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I imagine when I hear you describe and when I hear other people's experiences, I feel like it would be a very raw and vulnerable thing because we just don't do it very often. Does it always feel vulnerable to you or do you get to a place where it feels like this is very normal? Well, it is normal for me because I'm cuddling every week in a professional environment. Lucky me. Isn't that a great job? That's awesome. But let me tell you, I've had people send me notes through the, you know, through the meetup account who say, I'm afraid I will cry. I'm afraid I will just, my lip will quiver and I will just tear up because that's how, when they get held, that's when they feel their feelings. Probably if that person went to cuddles every week, they'd have a good cry a couple times and then something else would happen. And then it would just normalize and it would just be like, oh, cuddling is just part of my daily life. Mm. That's all that is. So I have had people weep, you know, and laugh their asses off. There's something very childlike that happens when it's a safe environment, and we create that through the workshop, and then it's the laboratory, what I call the cuddle laboratory, where you just have free time, like recess. You have all the guidelines in place. We play some music. It's comfy cushions everywhere. And then it's like, what are you going to do with your time? And um, some really silly things have happened, like that I could never have expected. One time, people decided to make a human pyramid. Another time, this guy took a bunch of pillows, piled them up, stood on top of it, sort of like a Buddha. Not stood up. He sort of sat 
like a Buddha and just sort of received questions from people. Like it just other times somebody brought a balloon and they were playing with the balloon. One time somebody brought a blanket and they created a fort, multi-person fort. And it was just like, oh, we are children again. What is going on here? So something about the touch brings us back to maybe our best selves. Mm. We used to grab our, you know, be able to hold our friends. Yes. Hold hands and love your friends up and play in the sandbox. Yeah. That's all this is. Nothing nefarious here. Just people connecting. Yeah. I love that. And tell us a little bit more about the cuddle kit because I imagine some people listening might be thinking, hey, I'm going to try having a cuddle event at my house or something. Yeah. Is that something that helps them make sure that it's safe and respectful? So the cuddle kit is meant for one-on-one, like you and your cuddle buddy. But here's the thing. I went to a few cuddles. I figured it out myself and started having them. So I would say getting the cuddle kit would certainly help somebody to understand, like, how would you set boundaries with at least one person? You'd know how to do with one. You might be better at doing with a group. But for people who want to be workshop leaders, I've created a Los Angeles event called the Cuddle Sanctuary Workshop Facilitator Training Program. Quite a mouthful. It's in May. And so that's where people are coming together. There's about, I think, eight of us so far coming together to geek out about facilitating, leading these cuddle experiences. And then I'll set them free in the world and we'll have more cuddles. I love it. I'm excited. It is so exciting. What do you love most about your work? Mm. I get more, like, let's go back to like when I was in Honolulu and so lonely. I don't get depressed like that anymore. And if I do, it's just, boop, oh, I'm having a cuddle tonight. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be with my people. I can ask for hugs. I'm going to be around people who are like me, who value this and want it part of their regular life. That's what I like is I'm just getting touched more in ways that feel safe for me. Beautiful. Yeah. That is amazing. I love your work. I'm such a fan. For some reason, this question's popped up into my head a few times as you're talking, and I'm not sure if this is something that people ask you. Does it matter? Do you let people know what? to wear, what to bring. All of it. All of it. I detail all of that because people are so nervous when they step into the first workshop. So in terms of what to wear, I recommend people wear soft clothing like a tank top and shorts or sweatpants or even you can change into pajamas if you want. I also recommend people be freshly showered, like squeaky clean and minty fresh so that you feel confident. But I don't recommend cologne or perfume. Some people are very smell and scent averse. I'm one of them. Yeah. So that's something, including smoke and things like that. So, you know, just be clean and have, be fresh. And in terms of what to bring, I, you know, I offer people, if you want, you can bring some like fresh fruit or you can bring something healthy, but let me tell you, people care nothing about the food. They just want to get to the business of the workshop <laughs> and get their cuddle on. I'm told again and again, this workshop's so long, let's just cuddle. So now I have to make some advanced classes and beginner's classes because I'm getting complaints. Like people That's want so full on cuddle all night. So they know? come in and they're like leaping to jump together. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm getting hazed now by my <laughs> regulars. Like they know the workshop very well. And so they start, you know, teasing. They start, they're having a good time, but they're definitely teasing me. So we're having a good time. Could you give us an idea of just the overview of what would happen at this cuddle event when you're leading a workshop? I know it starts with like the exercises you said. Mm-hmm. Does it end with everyone in a pile? Um, so it begins with guidelines and practice sessions and practicing no and having paired exercise where there's no touch required, but you can also get to know each other a little bit better that way. So the, everyone's getting to feel safe in the environment, like everybody's putting it out there in terms of vulnerability. And then very skillfully, I might add, I begin doing more and more exercises that put like two people together or maybe three people are going to figure out what 
they might want to do. Maybe they'll do a massage train. Can you kind of imagine what that looks like? Oh, yeah, yeah. One person in front of the other, in front of the other. Or maybe people want to do what we call stargazing, which is lying on your back like you were in summer camp next to your coddle partner. And maybe you're touching or maybe you're not. You guys figure that out together. And maybe there are six people doing that. See how that can be? But the whole point of it is to create an environment where people feel like they have enough understanding of the guidelines that I can set them free. And I will say, the Cuddle Lab is about to begin. You have an hour and 20 minutes or however long the Cuddle Lab is. We're going to have a closing circle at such and such a time. I'll give you a 10-minute warning so that you know it's coming. And then we will say goodnight. I also tell people they can leave at any time. Mm. This is really important. Some people who have sexual trauma, the idea of, of experiencing that feels very healing for them, but they're afraid they will feel trapped. And it's not just people with sexual trauma. It's also people who are like, I don't like this workshop. <laughs> you know, they, that they are allowed to leave yeah. at any time. Even mid-hug, right? Absolutely. Oh, not only yeah, you can leave an experience and go, oh, I feel full. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Yeah. But also you can just leave the event. Yeah. And usually people just give me a high sign. Usually people leave because they have work the next morning. But whatever, you are at choice at this event completely. And how long does a typical event last? It's two and a half hours. So let's see. People are allowed to show up in a 30-minute window because in L.A., OMG, <laughs> it's really just hard to show up anywhere. So I give people 30 yeah. whole minutes just to arrive. Yeah. So it starts officially at 8.15. And then at 10.20, we do our closing circle. 10.30, it's done. So 8.15, 10.30. Love it. Then people hang out. We put on music. Usually people dance and talk. I mean, there's just such a joyful energy at the end of these that I never want to miss. So fun. It's playful. I just, it makes you just want to jump into one. And I hope you'll come one day. I want to. I've told you I'm such not a night person. Oh, it's too late for you. Okay, so we now have a cuddle lounge once a month on a Saturday afternoon. Oh. And a women's cuddle once a month on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, yay. 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 I'm going to come to that. That one comes on the east side. Oh, perfect. I love that. I love hearing that. Tell us one more time the best links where we can find you and learn more. Please find me at CuddleSanctuary.com. On Twitter, it's at CuddleSanctuary. On Facebook, by golly, it's Cuddle Sanctuary. Very easy to remember. I love it. Jean, you're so, so fabulous. Thank you. (laughs) If you've been reading or listening along on Girl Boner, you know I hosted a series on dating a sociopath last year. I'm stoked to be a presenter at the Love Detox Audio Summit. It's a free series featuring over 20 experts on love and dating. And my topic is, yes, you guessed it, signs of a toxic partner, how to get out of a relationship if you're with one, and also healing and being able to find that love that you deserve. So if you want to sign up, all you got to do is go to lovedetox.com forward slash August. Lovedetox.com forward slash August. All you have to do is enter your email and then they send you like a new episode every day over a certain period of time and there's a whole bunch of cool stuff you can learn. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review while you're there and then hop on over to augustmclaughlin.com for show extras and a whole lot more including links to today's wonderful guest work. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.